Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous. Together we are finding the joy in the journey of life, and today we have Adam Marino joining us again on Well Played, though this time a little different topic. We are going to be talking about game nights and kind of how they can, I don't know, just have a great time. So we wanted to bring this topic to you guys. Uh, Before we get started, Adam, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I am Adam Moreno. I used to be a middle school drama teacher with Michael Matera. That's me. Um, Yeah. But three years ago, I answered a call into ministry. I went to school at seminary. And uh, I am now in my first year of being a pastor in the Lutheran Church and uh, taking a lot of the innovative teaching from my classroom and applying it to my my congregation and especially my work with the children, youth, and family ministry. So nicely done. We okay. uh, we, we well, it's glad to, glad to have you back on the show, and I'm really excited about this topic of game nights. Yeah. And I know that you have sort of continued in this idea of game nights even at your church. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, so when we were teachers together, there was game club after school, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, you still do. Uh, right. That's yeah. Cool. So game club after school, Adam knows it, but the rest of you might not know it. We run, I guess for the past 11 years, I've run game club after school. It is open to uh, sixth, seventh and eighth grade in yeah. the middle school. And then I sometimes do some fifth grade nights. Uh, I've done some long game nights where, you know, like a special before sort of Christmas break or something like that, do like a two hour, three hour nighttime one, we order pizza, but the other regular ones are just right after school for an hour and a half to two hours. And, uh, I, I see kids from all grade levels. It's really fun to mix everyone. And it's just a, it's a blast seeing these kids come together, sit around a table and, you know, try to like do the best they can on that particular game. And it's really kind of cool because kids know when they sit at that table, there can only be one winner if we're not playing a cooperative game, which we have played sometimes. But, uh, and then we talk about that. Like when we, when we lose and I share with the kids, I lose too, you know, like when we lose, I sit there and think, what did the other guy do? Like what, let's break down that guy's strategy and let's break down my strategy and, you know, compare and, and see where I quote unquote went wrong. Uh, it's a really great learning opportunity and typically it's all done with smiles on their faces. Yeah, no. And, and so having helped out, um, with game club at school with you, when I was teaching with you, like coming over to, to ministry, it's so much the same thing. I mean, we have a lot of different ministry nights, but I would say that our most popular, I mean, I can, can say without it, our most popular ministry night is the middle school, high school game night. Um, and so I've only been doing this for a couple of months, but I think we've done it three or four times and which each time it grows because they go out and they tell, you know, their friends and stuff like that. Hey, this is a really awesome night. They bring their friends um, who aren't even part of our congregation to come play. And then those people I, actually, yeah, some of them have come back a couple of times too. And 
really love it. We started off like, you know, with their basics. You've talked about it in, in other episodes with Settlers of Catan and with uh, Ticket to Ride. And they, lo- I mean, they love it. And they're sitting around a table and there's some middle schoolers and there's some high schoolers and there's guys and there's girls. And so all gathered around and it starts off actually for me, you know, like just a little bit unfocused and crazy goofy. And I have to remind them, like, we're focusing on the game, like pay attention to the game and everything. Sure. But once they get into it, I mean, there's focused and then they're, you know, calling on asking questions. I play sometimes. Um, and other times I just walk around and sort of supervise them playing because they're going to have questions because they're being introduced to the game new. But um, in the last two times, I've had a few of the college students, the young adults who are like, oh, we want to come play. I'm like, I don't come play then. Right. Just this last one, we had a really amazing uh, a young adult, 23 year old young lady who came. And I mean, even I'm like, she just is, was so funny, especially with the high school boys. You're like, we're going to win. And she's like, eh, I'm going to crush you. And we're like, yes. And so they're just, I mean, it's, they're so focused. And so it's, a, you know, in church, we, we call it cross-generational when you're using a bunch of different ages. Um, Michael, you actually came to our first game night ever and introduced Settlers of Catan, right? And so you and I are definitely of a different generation than middle schoolers. We have young adults who are college age. We have high schoolers. I've had a parent or two able to come in and play. It's primarily middle school and high schoolers, but there's this nice mix of, of, of some adults and young adults who add to it too. So you get like, like you're talking about with all the different grade levels. You know, within the, my ministry setting, we get it with a, a bunch of different generations all sitting around the table, like playing a game and competitive, but like good spirited, like a lot of fun, you know, talking strategy. It's it's awesome. Uh, that's <clears throat> you really like hit upon what I think I love most about board games uh, is that coming together kind of around the table, looking at each other in the eye, having to like. I don't know, make jokes and deals and everything at that table, given that this set of parameters, you know, it is like a, a moving puzzle that you have to sort of constantly be putting together and re-putting together to make those pieces fit as best they can. Uh, all while being social and yeah. plenty of laughs had and, and you, you know, you and I both know that one of the other great joys you can get out of a game is actually after the game's played, kind of breaking it down. Like, oh man, like when you did this or, you know, I can't believe this happened or what if, you know, after looking at it all, what if we did this instead or, you know. Well, and that's for me, one of the most exciting things, these parents I talk to, we do this on a Saturday night and then families come to church on Sunday and I can't tell you how many of the parents are like, oh my gosh, they got in the car and told me every single move that happened throughout the game. And then Pastor Adam did this, and then I did this, and then so-and-so did that, and so I did this. And you're yeah. like, the parent who probably doesn't at this point know the game is yeah. like, you traded, you gave sheep for wood? Like, you built? What, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> Yep. No, I mean, that, that might be a hard conversation when you don't quite understand the game, but... <clears throat> Uh, it's another thing I like about these new board games, which, you know, I think there's a lot of board games out there that are anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours. I'd say like, there's just a chunk of games that can fit in that window. And I think so often when people think, when I tell people that one of my big hobbies is board games, they just think like the risk, which takes all day. They think of, you know, monopoly, which takes all weekend, uh, (laughs) 
and, and breaks a family. You know, breaks of families, and no one plays it by the real rules. So, <laughs> um, but you know, I think I, that's one of my passions is actually like introducing people to board games and uh, getting them to see that there's this whole new world and that it's a lot of fun and it's actually like a I don't know it's a it's a cool hobby to have both with kids but also even with adults I do a regular game night uh, each week if I can and it's just been a great bunch of people that come over and we play all sorts of different games and I don't know it's just it builds quite a camaraderie and it's a good community yeah well and it just shows you know i i don't have anything against video games or anything like that but you know um you know i just think of of um hanging out with with one of the families that i know and like a bunch of the kids were sitting all playing a, a collaborative video game and it was you know everybody's looking at the tv everybody has their remotes and everything right but there's something different even in a collaborative video game or you're talking to people on your headphones and stuff like that to actually, as you said, gather around the table, sit around the table, looking at a board or at your cards or, you know, rolling the dice and making and looking up and making eye contact with the other people around the table, knowing that as you and I are talking about making a deal about trading this or trading that, like the other party's like, no, 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 don't, I'll, you know, on my turn, I'll trade with you. And you know, no, 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 you're at this just constant conversation. And so, I guess more than a, uh, any games where you're constantly looking at the board, I really like the ones where you can look at the board, but then you're looking up and you're talking to people and you're making deals and you're you're negotiating and you're trying to you know uh, get one over on somebody else and 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 ally with somebody and like that's just it's so much fun and and in a good game I and mean, we just play Ticket to Ride and after 90 minutes of playing. In one of the games, um, the first place and the fifth place were within eight points. And so second, third, and fourth were sitting in there within eight points of one another. I mean, that's a game where for 90 minutes, everybody thinks that they really have a chance of winning. And so if you're invested in that, if you know, if you're sitting there being like, oh, I'm going to lose, who cares? Right? But in some of these really well-balanced games, you can play for 45 minutes to two hours and everybody truly believes that they have a shot at winning. And so every turn matters and every deal and every trade and every alliance like matters. It's exciting. It is. And I think like you said, a lot of these games too, the the new ones that are coming out are just yeah. that well tweaked and that well balanced. I played one this weekend with some friends and the final scores, like the difference between first and second was one point. And it's one of these games where unlike a game of basketball where you just constantly are seeing that score, a lot of these board games, and this is included, there was zero like point track. So like you have no clue until the end. So you're just playing and like, I don't know. I thought I was doing well. I don't know if I knew I was like hands down winning. Well, I wasn't hands down winning. I won by one point. But but it was was that like mystery all along and you just had to kind of like do your best while you played. The other thing I like too, I mean, you, you mentioned kind of looking each other in the eye and I love that, but I also love this idea of watching your actions, like seeing, like we are all playing the same puzzle. Yeah. But like there are many ways to sort of scale that mountain and sort of like 
trying to figure out like what what is he doing like i wouldn't have done that what is he but like he's a smart man like what like what's he doing like he's obviously got a strategy and trying to like figure that out while still trying to balance my own strategy like i don't know it's a lot of fun well and as you know playing with middle schoolers and high schools maybe people who play for the first time you know you're talking playing with maybe more some more experienced people um and the middle schoolers and high schoolers definitely get there i don't for years, I played only with middle schoolers and high schoolers. And when I started playing with adults, they'd be like, oh, but you play with kids. I'm like, oh, no, these kids are yeah. awesome. Right. <laughs> but, you know, as I start to teach these games, like I'm sitting across the table from people who, you know, these these kids who are, are playing and you're like, hey, are you sure you want to do that? Like it really helps them have strategy plan ahead. Like, yeah, your brother just, you know like ruined your turn but like getting back at him isn't actually the best strategy right now or sure. ganging up on the pastor like it, i'm not winning guys you know taking all of my stuff isn't the best strategy and so around the table even in a competitive game there's learning and there's collaboration um you know, if I can control my own competitiveness, it isn't then about me like beating these kids. Like I can help them understand, you know, what the best thing and build, you know, some of the, you know, their engine that starts to produce more resources so that at the end of the game, they're in the running to possibly win. Exciting. And, and then besides just the competitive one, right, there are collaborative games. You know, you and I play the zombie one where, you know, we're trying to uh, survive those zombies that are attacking throughout the winter. Like, yeah, you know, like we win together or we lose together, but now we're in communication collaborating on our choices. I mean, that kind of teamwork is valuable across the board. That's a good game. Uh, if anybody's wondering, it's called Dead of Winter. Yeah. Uh, but that one's interesting because... That adds this this social dynamic to it, which is another. I mean, I guess that's what we're talking about. That all of these games have on some right. level, right? Because you're interacting with each other and whatnot. But uh, that one had like a secret traitor element. So one of us could have been working against everyone, uh, but we don't know. Like we're all dealt these cards. If you're on like the good side or the bad side, and then you sort of put the extra cards away and. Man, does that like just blow your mind? Like, and you can kind of make a story for everyone. Why, like, right. well, that turn you screwed up, and like, was that like intentional, or did you just mess up, or are you are you the bad guy? And then like, equally, you could flip it on all of us. Like, well, you could you did this and this and this. Like, oh, just those rich conversations and like that visceral like feeling that you get. Like on some level, I you're in that you're in that moment you're in that place and. You actually feel it. I don't know. Like, yeah, that's an exi- no, that's an exhilarating thing. No, and you know it, what is the the one with the banana? What's uh, win lose banana? What is win lose banana? That's right. Oh, good. That's what that's what I called it. <laughs> but like, one of our tables got done uh, early at game night, and so we, you know, just uh, as as we're talking about this, right? You have these games that run anywhere from oh an hour to ninety minutes to two hours if a table maybe is going slower or maybe not as focused. <laughs> I definitely have that. Um, and so you have sort of like smaller games that are, you know, we call them filler games, right? So the, the table of mostly middle schoolers, they were actually super focused. So they played hard and they got done about with 20 minutes left. Well, 20 minutes where there's nothing to do, you know, so you have to give them something to do. 
three cards. It's called win, lose banana. Like you, it's basically, you know, the banana is trying to figure out who's got the winning card, who's got the losing card. And the other two people are trying to convince them. I've got the winning card. No, I've got the winning card. No, I've got the winning card. Oh my gosh. So funny to see like kids who are told like not to lie, you know, now being taught like, no, no, no. Convince them you have the, the, the whole winning point. Card. But I don't. No, I know you don't. Okay, don't. Let's give back the cards. Let's shuffle them back up, right? All right, okay. I've got the black. No, don't show us the black card, like, you know, or the red card, you know, like, put them back, shuffle them back up. Okay. You're just trying to convince them. And then once they, I mean, these kids are like, I don't know who to believe, you know? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. Would I lie to you? No, I, Pastor Adam has the winning card. I don't. Ah, woo. So, you know, <laughs> it really becomes so, I mean, little short. I mean, these games, I mean, that game, like each round is 30 seconds to a minute, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, so it doesn't have to be even a bit, a, a more expensive, longer play board game. Sometimes these quick dice rolling, card rolling games are so much fun. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hobby that like fits, fits any budget, fits any time. Uh, yeah. I, I will warn all of you, if you get into the hobby, <laughs> it, it can get expensive, it can. but I will say on some level, if you're able to control it a little bit, which I am terrible at, <laughs> I was just going to say that I was going to say, unlike certain, uh, <laughs> podcast hosts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you are able to control it. I, I do always make the case that if you sort of price point it to anything else you might do on like a Friday or Saturday night with friends, uh, you know, a board game costs anywhere from 25 to $50. And, you know, if four of you are going to go to the movies and have some pizza, like ordering some pizza in and playing the board game is pretty cheap. And then you have that board game. So, right, like if we say that that's equal cost to the movies tonight, but then kind of say it's free the next time and free the next time and free the next time. Like, oof, that's pretty you know, cheap. That playability, you know, so Michael, this is actually something we're kind of struggling with, with our, with our game. We do game night once a month. Well, the first month we learned Settlers of Catan. And then the next one I was like, and now we're going to go to Ticket Ride. And they're like, what? No, we're going to play Settlers of Catan again. And then, um, like the third month we were like, all right, let's learn a new one. No, we want to play Settlers of so do we only, because it's only once a month, like they, they gotten better. They they're, now they're inviting a friend to play the game they played last time. So like, no, 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 I'm bringing a friend and I want to show them this awesome game. Now we finally, our last one played ticket to ride, but now they're all like, okay, now we're going to play ticket to ride again. I'm like, Oh, so like, so good because you know, we're on a pretty tight budget. You know, I bought three boxes of Settlers and we played it for three months. And now I bought ticket, three copies of Ticket to Ride and we've played it once and we'll probably play it two or three more times. And you're exactly right, right? The cost of a movie, the cost of, I mean, like just taking the family out to do anything or a group of friends to go anything. Suddenly a board game isn't that expensive when you're thinking, you're going to play it multiple times, easily multiple times. Well, I was going to say in your case too, even though you did it like three times, it's not like three times and then it's gone. It's three times right. and you're going to put it back in like some tub or on some shelf and either six months from now or a year from now, you're going to play it three more times and then three right. more times and then three more times. Uh, that's really what happened with my game club. Uh, 
at the start, I didn't have any games. I didn't have any budget for it. And uh, over time, you know, after 11 years, you're just able to like order four more of this and three more of that. And eventually you have this ginormous library of endless choices. So, uh, you know, just keep that in mind. If you guys want to start doing your own game clubs or getting your own kind of adult game group together, I, I really would like to suggest that you guys all do that. Um, you know, get a taste for it for yourself. I mean, a lot of our podcasts like are adult game group. You're saying, yeah, like invite, you know, buy one of these games, invite some of your friends over, buy settlers of Catan ticket to ride, um, invite some of your friends over and see what it's like. And a lot of the podcasts we have are about gamification and game mechanics. Yeah. And these games are just a great way to see these mechanics in action and, and kind of learn new ones. And like, I gotta admit a ton of my inspiration, a ton of where I'm at in this whole gamification field really came out of this sort of hobby and constantly seeing games being played, different mechanics being played, seeing interactions of students and how that made them feel. And it was like, Oh man, like I want that element in my class. I want this mechanic functioning in my game. You know, Michael, that's so true, right? And across any educational field and thing like, because I, I know it, it's true in ministry to sit with kids and simply talk about, you know, theology isn't necessarily the most exciting. And then we get together around a table and we play a board game that has nothing to do with, with biblical learning or anything like that. And you're like, oh, how can I get that excitement over here? And I guess that's, Part of the excitement I had in going into ministry was how do I take what was awesome about my classroom as a drama teacher and get people excited about other aspects of their life, for me, primarily their faith. And it is, you start to see like, oh, like they really like, you know, you know, that competition, healthy, you know, and simple competition sort of drives them. How can I get some of those game mechanics in? Uh, they really like being able to trade things and collect things. Okay, well, how do I take that and apply it to other aspects of their learning? And so for me, game night is a gateway into really getting to know the kids better, getting them to know each other better. Um getting them excited to come and experience something within our setting, with a, which is church, um, and then introduce some of these other elements that, as I would say, are arguably maybe more or, you know, important, you know, just different aspects of, of what I'm trying to teach them. But now they're hooked, right? And that's how do we get them hooked into something that is truly beneficial and meaningful and deep for them? I mean, well said. I mean, I think that's that's the goal here, and that's that, that was a path for me, and I hope it's a path for many of you guys. Yeah. And if it doesn't end up impacting your classroom, I guarantee it's it's a good it's a good weekend night with your friends. <laughs> that's true. So, like, it's a win win for everyone. Right. Right. Exactly. So, right. if you are going, you if it does, your students don't end up, you know, you don't take it to your classroom. I promise you, it is a fun night with family or a fun night out with our home with friends, you know, playing these games. It, I have enjoyed it so much both personally and professionally. So if you were going to suggest, let's, let's both do this. If if we're going to suggest like, 
uh, a lighter game to get somebody started. Okay. And then maybe like a medium game if they ended up liking this. And then like a third sort of, I don't want to say heavier, but, you know, meteor has like more more interlocking mechanisms going yes. on. So it's less singular. Uh, so we have that kind of beginning, middle, and top end. What would be your three suggestions out of the gate? I wonder if there's going to be any crossover. What if we want to say the same thing? <gasps> Who's going to go first? I'm about to steal, like, maybe your first one. Because your first Dang one is... Are you ready for this? Yeah. Love letter. Ooh. Like, love letter, you just... They're numbered cards. The directions for each of the cards, like, the power of each card is written right on the card. So remembering, like, what the prince does or what the countess does or what the king does or the queen does... And so there are a whole bunch of like royalty, like nobles and royalty, and they do different things to each other. And you just, you play them and it's like, oh, now you skip your turn. Oh, I get to look at your card. And basically you're just trying to figure out who the princess is, right? Who has the princess, but it's cutthroat. And <laughs> I mean, in a loving way. <laughs> cutthroat and quick. So that, that really and fits quick, that, right? that I mean, fits like, that light know, one. I, five minutes yeah and you're trying to collect you you know one round you know quick you know two three four five minutes right and then you're collecting little tokens and whoever gets to and here's the thing i think the directions say whoever gets to seven tokens like if you don't have that much time you say whoever gets to three tokens you know or the like, most tokens before we yeah, or the most tokens whenever we run out of time right and this and one so, this one's a micro game so it's like super tiny i mean yeah. it fit anywhere um so yeah, that that's a good good call. I don't know if I would have said that, but that's a good one. Oh good. Mm. Well there you go. What are you gonna say for your intro quick first? So two have already been mentioned, so we're not gonna count those. Settlers of Catan and Ticket to Ride. Those those have been mentioned in this podcast. So I'm gonna yeah. lay those aside. They those would have been candidates for I think a good intro. One that I have really enjoyed lately, I in fact, I did a YouTube with my daughter on it, would be Splendor. Uh, yeah. I think that's a, it's a, it's more, it's a bigger box game than, than your micro game. Right. But uh, it, it's a singular mechanic. You're trying to get to 15 points. The way to collect points are pretty simple. Uh, but there's just a ton of decisions in there in terms of like how you want to go about it. Uh, and... I don't know. I just have a really good time. It's quick. My daughter and I kind of have a little tradition now where we walk down on Saturday morning to the coffee shop and play a game of that. Sometimes we do other games, but it's it's mainly been Splendor because we both just love it so much. Nice. Now, how long does that take you to when you get to through a game? Is it if it's two player, we get it done in probably twenty minutes. Okay. Uh but I would say if you had four players, it would be 45 minutes. Okay. But under an hour, you would say. Once you know. I mean, like that first time. You kind of know how to yeah, play. Yeah. The first time teaching, maybe it's an hour, hour and 10. Because like, you're like, what are the rules? I don't know. But like seriously, once you get it, the, the, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's a nice one, though, for families, you know, <laughs> where you're coming home from school and work, having dinner, cleaning up from dinner. And then you only have about an hour before People are headed off to bed, right? So you can't play a three-hour-long, you know, game on a Tuesday night always. So Splendor, uh, that, that it is super fun. I really like that one. 
All right, next up, your mid your midweight game. They've now played Love Letter. They've now played Splendor. They're like, I like this game thing. They got their like four or five friends that come over. What's what's level two? Is Isle of Sky level two, or am I going too high? Is that too hard? No, level? that's level two because that's about as hard as Settlers of Catan, like in terms of rules. I, I think so. So Settlers? Isle of Sky, right? It's, it's a tile lane game. Um, Carcassonne is, is a tile lane game too. And I always call, um, Isle of Sky, like Carcassonne 2.0 laying tiles, but there's a bidding element, which just makes it very exciting because you're, you, you're collecting your resources of money, but then you're deciding how much you're going to keep so you can buy other people's tile, but how much you're charging for yours. And, oh, if you price them too high, then people won't buy them and you lose that money, so it gets to be very challenging, and you're building a little um, kingdom, you know, um, in Scotland. And uh, it's a it is a great game, everybody. It really, it really is. And and what I like about it is, it's a great two player game. And three or four players, I mean, it is every bit as exciting. So it scales. We call that really. Very, really well, really and that, well. And that one's two to five, so two to five. You're right, five. I said four. So but yes. that's like a, as Adam's saying, a lot of times games get wonky at the edges of their players' playability. So they they throw a two-player game in there just to say it can be two-player, and then there's like a five-player is like too long or something like that. This one, it's just it's just right at all player counts. So it is. It's great, and it's a good ninety minutes. And if you really are playing with a full table of five. It could be closer to that two-hour mark because you, you there's, but it's exciting because you're like, who, what tile are they gonna buy? Like, which tile do I need? And you're trying to match up mountains and and roads and you know pastures and lakes. Oh, it's a good, it's, it's a super exciting. It's really good one. <laughs> uh, I would totally suggest that. Uh, Adam actually introduced that game to me, and it has climbed to like when people force me to pick. My favorite game. I I've been using that one as my answer. Whoa! It's uh, always with a giant asterisk, so it's really impossible to give people my answer. Just but... one, right? I always say top three, top three. Well, what are your other? I mean, I could put it at any yeah. given moment. My top three is changing, but uh, for me, medium weight game recommendation was going to be Isle of Sky. So oh. we did we did have one crossover there. Uh, but I don't think we'll have a crossover on our next one. So moving on to the next one, if we, if anyone's out there still listening, waiting to see what the, the big game recommendation would be, what would be yours? <laughs> there's big and then there's big. So I think you might be going super big. So I will... I'm not going super big. No? I don't not Twilight think... Imperium? No, not that super big. Oh, okay. Twilight Imperium for anybody else is like an eight-hour game. Like we won't even talk about it. Super awesome. Way way too big for this podcast. <laughs> but uh, it is super I awesome. I would say I have to say Scythe. I have to say Scythe. It is. I was introduced to Scythe out when I lived out in Portland, Oregon, and it's awesome. It's awesome. Like and and you each player has a unique 
race. Like, so you have different strengths and different weaknesses. And so your objectives are, are different. And you're, again, you're just, you're collecting resources, using these resources to do awesome things. There's a battling element and I love a good battle, but I don't want it just to be like, Oh, you have four. I have five. I win. Right. I wanted there to be more, um, you know, mystery, who's going to win, you know, like, and so, and, and, and there's ways to, I mean, there's so many paths to victory. Um, that my I daughter find, really enjoys my little scythe. I love the fact that she has the kids version, my little scythe, uh, learning to dominate the world at a young age. It actually carries over many of the same mechanics. It was, I was oh, pretty yeah. impressed. Nice. Yeah. No. And again, as we were talking about, you know, not even in the game sense, but learning some mechanics that could transfer over to, you know, your, your teaching, um, or your ministry, like site is cram packed full of, of mechanics, a number of them that work so beautifully together. Uh, so yeah, dystopian world, you know, just so good site. That's what I say. You, I think your game's bigger than the one I'm going to suggest. Ooh. Uh, I have recently been playing Orleans, uh, which is a, uh, you may have heard of games that are deck building where you like start with a very small deck of cards and you, you like buy cards to add to the deck and then you have to kind of decide like, oh, I can afford two of these cheap guys now, but then they're always going to be in my deck. And then like later in the game, you're going to like draw that cheap card that was good at the beginning, but now you're like, oh, it's in my way. Uh, this yeah. game is a bag building. So you're buying these like workers, which are these round tiles, and you're throwing them into a bag. And then each round you draw so much out of the bag to then decide like it's a worker placement game. So you're like deciding where to send your workers, but like you don't really know which type of workers you're going to draw. Am I drawing two priests and like the farmer? Am I drawing three farmers? Like, ah, like I don't know. Do I get any knights this round? Uh, but you get to decide kind of the proportions in your bag. Uh, and it is just, it's a clean, clean experience where there's sort of, I don't know, it's a very, the, the term that they use is a Euro game. So like Euro games typically are low, low conflict, right. high strategy and close to zero sort of luck or at least shared luck. So that bag, while there is luck in that bag, you were the one that decided the proportions. So you kind of sealed your own fate. That's a great one. Now I've never played that. You've told me about it, but you know, deck building, bag building, right? Such strategy, you know, do you, do you, do you get these things early, but are they going to be good for you later? Or do you hold out at what point have you waited too long? Oh. I know I could, I could talk about board games endlessly. <laughs> so, uh, for all like the two people that are still listening at this point in the podcast, <laughs> They're uh, all sitting. It's so interesting. We're going to wrap it up, but I will say like, seriously, take our suggestion. Try, try some or one of these, find them at your local friendly game store, uh, go online, whatever, whatever you got to do, make it happen. Try some of these. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw that out there too. Give it a try. What's nice. And when you don't know how many kids are going to show up, you know, one kid shows up, you play a two player game and it's awesome. Three kids, four kids show up. You play a three or four player. I'm like, it is 
it accommodates any, yeah, I mean like any, and you can really with a child or multiple children, one family member or at Thanksgiving where you have a 22 family members, there's something out there for every size. And so you can always, you know, make it work. I just, and have a good time. I love it. I love it. So before we wrap up, we have to quickly toss out this reflection time, but we are out of time, really. So let's do our best here. Life, this one's from Plato. Life must be lived as play. How does that hit you, given what we talked about today? <laughs> right? I mean, where is the joy? Where is the excitement? Where it... Where's the intention and the purpose? That's how you play a game. That's how you live life. Yeah. I got to say like answering your own questions. Where's the fun? Where's the joy? For me, it has always been around the table. Uh, my two hobbies, my two passions, board games and food bring everybody around that table. But it, ultimately the answer is community. And this, this brings people together. Yeah. So thank you, Adam, for joining us on Well Played once again. Hey, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Really appreciate it. Uh, and everyone else, thanks for listening and being a part of this Well Played community. I hope you have a great week and play on.